Organization and cleanliness bring spaciousness. When there is space, inspiration and new possibilities can come in. As we organize our physical environment, we also bring a certain organization to our heads, creating spaciousness within us. Aline Raim. Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Henry Cameron Allen, and today I have a new friend joining us from Israel, Rebecca Saltzman. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Rebecca is an author, she's a podcaster, she is an organization maven, and uh, has inspired a lot of people to sort of evaluate um how their lives are ordered around them with the the stuff that we collect over the years. Uh, where did that start for you? Where did that passion for organization and, and order come from? So I distinctly remember in high school, uh, my dad and I were going to, I think we were going to a a Baltimore Orioles baseball game and we were listening to talk radio and on it this man was describing this person who was compulsively rearranging their furniture and my dad looks at me and he goes hey you have that CFRD and I'm like what he's like yeah compulsive furniture rearranging disorder yeah. and, and like because at, at in high school yeah. I used to like always be trying to figure out like how I could arrange the furniture in my room like to maximize every square inch of my bedroom, right? And uh, so I think that like the inborn like need to maximize my space or to feel like I'm getting the most out of it or to make order um, was always there. Um, but I, just as a side note, I definitely think that organization and learning how to be organized is a learned skill and, and you can improve your executive function to be more organized. Uh, it's just that a lot of people lack that skill or are, don't have a developed skill and therefore they don't pass it on to their children. And it sort of creates a generation of late boomers, but we can go back to that. In any case, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at the gap. And um, as you'll see from our conversation today, I'm, I tell you what's on my mind. If something doesn't look good on you, I'll be like, that doesn't look good. Why don't you try this instead? So well, I'm not going to critique your outfit today because I can't really see it. But like, you know, when someone's in the fitting room trying on clothing, like I'm not going to tell somebody to spend their money on something they don't need to spend their money on, you know? Right. So, so I think that I had like a core group of regular customers who really appreciated my honesty. And, um, what happened was, was a few of them. And I mean, looking back as a 16 year old, this is like kind of an ill-conceived thing to do. And I'm glad my parents didn't find out. Cause I don't know, they probably would have taken away my car, but anyway, mm -hmm. um, I would go to people's houses and organize their closet so that I could figure out what to buy them, like personal shop, like a couple of my, I think I skipped that step. A couple of my regular clients were like, Hey, can you just, just do the shopping for us? Right. Right. And I'm like, yeah. So I would go to their houses. I would organize their stuff and see what they needed, like what holes were missing. And I realized I prefer the, organization aspect to the the stylist 
world mm. over the actual shopping and styling. And so I always kind of kept organization as my side hustle throughout college and my early years of my marriage. And then um, in like 2011, 2012, I was starting to have like a lot of discontent with my life. Uh, I just had, I had three small kids and I was working on a job where I wasn't making a difference in the world. And I realized this, this is not my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to leave the world better than when I found it. And I was making a product that wasn't good for the environment that, that a lot of people had to sort of suffer to make. And I just felt like this is not where I want to be. And of course, I'm not going to quit my job without having a new job, right? So, <laughs> so I answered an ad for a couple who was downsizing before their move to Israel. Um, and this was still when we were living in New York. And I, I got the job to help them downsize. And I realized I love doing this. I am making a difference in their life. And instead of getting all this stuff to the landfill, I'm finding like real places for all their stuff. Maybe sometimes it was just recycling and that's, you know, fine. But, uh, you know, we were really finding places and homes for all the things that they no longer need. Now they, I don't like to use the word hoarders because that's very extreme. They were like on the borderline of, yeah. of being there. Like they weren't dirty. Um, which a lot of hoarders are, but not always, but like hygiene is sometimes a problem for people who are hoarders, but, uh, they just had way more than they could manage. And when you have that much stuff, it's really difficult to keep things clean, not tidy clean, right. because you always have to move things to clean things. Right. And it right. becomes like overwhelming. So it's just easier to sort of clean the small areas as they, as they need it. Um, and when they offered me the job, I realized, you know, I really, I love doing this. So I quit my regular job and I started my own company and, and that's how I really got started. Um, I have like a, I always credit that move that having enough power and strength to do that to, um, my mentor, Chaya Hinda Allen, who gave a course called Jewish positive thinking that enabled me to shift my thinking and believe that we live in a world of abundance and God was always going to give me what I needed. And that was the shift. Number one, that happened to me. And number two was I read this book called zero waste home by Bea Johnson. And I realized we all have too much stuff. And uh, there's a popular Jewish proverb that goes more possessions, more worries. And what I realized was within the zero waste movement, while some people take that as, you know, kind of a religion, and I don't know that zero waste is totally containable, uh, attainable in today's economy, climate, market, lifestyle, right. whatever you want to call it. But I think we can all do a lot better. And what I realized was just, I thought that more stuff would make me more happy. But what it was doing was really holding me back. So I sort of developed this system over time where um, I would teach my clients how to declutter. Then we would organize. And then finally, we would find sustainable solutions so they wouldn't get back in the need to declutter again. <laughs> 
Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups, virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. Even as a, as a professional, I'm not saying you never are going to need to organize your, your home again, especially if you don't live alone because you use things and other people use things and they don't always put things back, but other people also accumulate. So even if you're careful about your accumulation, kids are notorious for accumulating at a very rapid level because it's just sort of like, that's, they're like little magnets and things just sort of straight to them. So, so, so. I'm not saying you're never going to have to declutter again with my method. What I'm saying is, is it's a lot easier as time goes on with my method, because each time there's less and less to declutter. Well, don't you think it also affects one's mental health? I mean, there's that old adage that the state of your home reflects your inner state. And if you are not feeling completely orderly in your thoughts and in your soul, that that's going to reflect in your environment. If you're not feeling completely um, hygienic, you know, and clean in your environment, um, as you say, you know, people will dust around the items yeah. moving them. We do that in our lives too. We do that in our inner, inner worlds. And that's part one of the question. And part two is, how does this tie in with your Judaism? Because you, you've referred to that a couple of times. And I, okay. I'm really curious about where the two bridge, because I think they're okay. definitely connected. So you're probably going to have to remind me about the second question <laughs> again. But I'll say regarding mental health, um, 100%, when you have less stuff, it makes a big difference to how you function on your day-to-day life. But even if you have a lot of stuff, having everything, uh, in Hebrew, we have a, a word, misudar, right? Having a place for everything and everything in its place, that's key. When you can 
open up a cabinet and know that that's where you can find the Tylenol or that's where you can find your socks or that's where you can find the forks. Like when you know where everything goes, first of all, that makes cleaning up super easy because let's be real. Even if you live alone, you're still using your dishes and your clothing and, and you're still using all the stuff. Right. And it gets dirty. So you have to clean it up and you have to put it away. But easier to do, cleaning up and tidying up becomes much easier when you know exactly where everything goes. So right. that's that's the first step. But specifically for people who suffer from mental health, I always or mental health issues, I always try to advise them to to push themselves towards the minimalist side. You don't have to be a minimalist. I don't consider myself a minimalist, but I always try to push them towards having less, building a capsule wardrobe for themselves, having only the items that they need in the kitchen. Because what I find is, um, well, it really, there's a large scope of mental health issues, but um, let's say for someone who's OCD, having fewer objects means that you're obsessing over fewer things, right? Like... And like, if you're obsessing about other things, well, like that I can't help you with, but at least you don't have to obsess about the stuff, right? Like um, people who are um, bipolar often tend to compensate for, for their ups and downs by shopping. So if they can get a handle on having less in the house in the first place, when when high high or low something comes up like that it makes it easier to cope with afterwards because there's less to deal with right so well, like, we call it shopping therapy i mean yeah. we're if we are you know going through a, a time of anxiety which let's face it who in the world is not um <laughs> you know go right to amazon go right to yeah. buying and the packages that show up your, your door not only people who are uh, afraid to go out of their homes because of COVID or because of violence in their communities or whatever, um, you're you're we are isolating ourselves from one another. And to see a friendly face who's bringing you okay. something fun, something that you want, package, right. and it may not be something that you remember buying, but it's kind of like you know a surprise gift. Yeah. Oh yes, I remember. I ordered this. That that that's a dopamine injection yes, there. Yes. But then 100%. also, I think there's anxiety. Um, as I say, most people I would venture to say are going through a difficult time emotionally uh, and, and struggling with anxiety. And I think that we tend to, as humans, buffer ourselves so that we feel safe. Do you find that, that a lot of people who... Uh, who hoard? I, I remember my my grandmother was also mm -hmm. meticulously clean, mm -hmm. and everything was in its place. Everything had, but you open the the closets in her garage, they were Tetrised in yeah. every little <laughs> box. Well, I might need to get a gift for somebody someday, so I'm going to get them a card shuffler. Like she had twenty card shufflers. She had a thousand cans of gefilte fish that probably were expired for years so that's a that comes from being children of the depression or, or exactly World War II or exactly. um and, and that's a separate thing where where you're growing up in a scarcity situation uh um, you're of it yeah yeah 
Uh, I, I feel like while I could understand why it would fall in the mental health category, I feel like that's more of like a general mindset because it's not necessarily like, it's not mental illness feeling scarcity as much as just you grew up in that and that's something that you always go back to. Well, they're, um, also, they're also people who were personally- It's trauma, they, for sure. It is trauma. And that's, but I don't want to classify it as mental illness. I, I don't know enough right. about the classifications to say that, but I think trauma falls into a different category than mental illness. So I, I just want to be yeah. mindful of the fact that trauma is definitely different than they're in the someone dance. who has- They're, a, they're yeah. definitely part they're, of They're related, the I think. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. again, that's not my area of expertise, so I don't want to, but I, I'm pretty sure they right. fall under separate- but, but yeah, someone who's having that kind of trauma and like a scarcity kind of lifestyle definitely falls into that. But what I love about living in today is that we live in a world of abundance. Now, some people have supply chain issues. I know that. But uh, for the most part, like, it's kind of easy to get what you want. Maybe you have to wait a little bit and, and right. we're used to the instant gratification of getting what we want when we want it. But, right. uh, there's a lot of abundance right now. And what I have found, um, regarding decluttering is if you're not careful about how much you consume, you don't actually leave space for abundance to come into your life, which mm -hmm. is a big deal for a lot of people, because a lot of people are like, why does this always happen to me? And the, the connection that I find is goes back to the proverb that I told you, more possessions, more worry. And as a teenager, I used to look at that, at that proverb and be like, WTF, right? Like, right. how? Things make me so happy. I want this and this and this and this. And right. I love that I have a different skirt for every single day of the week. But as you get older and more and more responsibility lives on your shoulders, the more things you have responsibility for, the harder it becomes. So yeah. it's better. You're better off simplifying the things that you are responsible for and, and figuring out how you can have less stuff so that you can have more free time to do the things you want with the people you love. But also what I found is that when you can get down to like a curated collection of stuff, right. it just makes it easier to cope with the amount of responsibility internal, like within your home, but also externally, because when we have too much stuff, it gets to the point where instead of our stuff serving us, we are serving our stuff. Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Queen B. Divine. The cure is conversation. And where can you find me? At bluntreflections.com, where I will be talking to guests from around the world that not only share their time, but their insights and their tips on how they became the best version of who they were meant to be. So if you're looking for a great story and a great time, check me out at bluntreflections.com. The cure is conversation. And remember, blase, blase means to tell your story. <laughs> it's not fun to be a slave to remembering to get the car maintenance done on three cars so that, you know, everything's running smoothly and they last longer. Yes, you should 100% take care of your things. But the more things you have to remember to maintain, the dishwasher filter needs to be cleaned out. The lint trap needs to be cleaned out in the dryer. The washing machine filters need to be cleared. The car maintenance needs to be done. The air conditioner filters need to My be cleaned. My palms are already sweating. <laughs> right? Like, as adults, there are a lot of 
things, maintenance items, general upkeep items that we are responsible for, for living this modern life. And I'm not saying go back to the stone age without a dishwasher and a washing machine and all those things. But in order to make our stretch our dollars and be responsible users of these items, we want to make them last as long as possible. Right. So, so the maintenance, the upkeep that goes along with it is, is a lot of responsibility. Just keeping the toilet and the sink clean and the floor washed, you know, and when there's stuff all over the bathroom sink and stuff all over the floor that you first have to pick up before you can even get to the cleaning. Well, that makes the chore so much more onerous, which is a big tie back to mental health, which is a big strain on people's mental health, because it's like the task looks like it's insurmountable, like they look at it. They say, I don't know how to solve this problem. And they just shut the door. And <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't have the mental capacity to do with it, deal with it, even though if you would deal with it, your mental capacity would be improved. And I find that it doesn't take that long. It, it's not as daunting a task because we don't live in, most of us don't live in going to the spaces, right. right? Where we can get lost in, in, in <laughs> space, but you know, it really, if you do, my son and I used to do what we called a Mary Poppins cleanup. Okay. It's kind you of snap like, your fingers and it would happen. What? Snap your fingers. And actually we would put <gasps> on the song, just a spoonful <sighs> of sugar from the movie. Sugar, yeah. And you know where it, sp- it speeds up? Yes. In the, in the framework of the song, from beginning to end, and as it sped up, we would speed up. We would go through and we would do a a power cleaning of his room or the kitchen or the living or whatever. Uh, Sometimes the whole house, you know, we blast it really loud. And I think time is so precious as well that we feel like, well, I'd rather be doing this than that right now. I would rather- That is also true. You know, and and so how we choose to use our time, and I know a lot of people, myself included. I'm a, I'm a creative person, uh, professionally and personally, and um, my priorities are are not always uh, in caring for my my own space, um, and also I find that the accumulation of things. You know, we talk about, and this is an echo I hear from my grandparents' generation. The depression yeah. generation uh, and you know, we have listeners in 35 countries around the world so when i'm talking about the depression generation or we're talking about all of these things these are definitely first world problems um well i don't and, think the great depression was necessarily a first world problem well i think it was it was uniquely american the great depression that we're talking about i mean every there have been others around the world but from yeah. a cultural background yeah i, I mean when you go from like a really amazingly abundant to a scarcity in such a rapid way like right well abundance is relative i think a lot of it is relative to your your geography and your your economy and and everything else um but i remember my grandmother talking about taking care of our clothes taking care of our toys making sure that they lasted a long time things in those days when i was young and when she was young certainly things were built to last a long time. And if you cared about them and cared for them, they would last a long time. Um, Many things, especially technological things, which 
most toys are, cars and everything else, they're built to be disposable today. And I think that we've lost globally that sense of caring for things because, oh, guess what? The new iPhone's coming out next right. year, right? How you do you know, address that? My kids make fun of me because I have a Samsung S7. Okay. So just to give context for anybody who doesn't know, Samsung's on like 22. Okay. So my phone's like more than five years old. And my kids are like, I need a new one because um, with all the updates that happen, you lose more and more memory space each time. So I find myself like deleting sometimes apps that I need because right. I don't have enough space to deal with the new upgrades. Or they're so, not compatible with the new with the new technology. The also, that's true, compatible. right? So like in order, it, for me, it's a business expense, but you know, I try to keep my things lasting as long as possible. So every couple of days I go through, I delete any videos that I don't need. I clean out the system. I clean out any downloads. I do this on my computer too, because- what I really want to do is I want to make these things last as long as possible, but I, but I understand the allure to the sexy marketing that Apple and Samsung do, or, or even just in the supermarket, right? Like the product placement that products are big companies are paying for eye level product placement, right? Like I understand the amount of money that's going into marketing to me and it's very hard to resist. So a couple of tips for ways that I like to try to resist, you know, the allure. falling into the trap of, yeah. <laughs> of the marketer is, Virus song. Yeah. yeah, I always try to go shopping with a list. So for example, I, I lost a lot of weight. I lost 55 kilos, roughly 120 pounds. Okay. And thank you. I, 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 uh, I had bariatric surgery. I, I'm not, I'm like upfront about it, but in any case, I do need some new clothes because everything is really big. Mm -hmm. And I took a bunch of pieces to the tailor and a couple of ways they were able to get creative so that it didn't cost me that much money to get them fixed. And they, they were pieces that were such good condition. It was just like, it made sense for me to keep keep using them and just taking off a little bit so that I could, so yeah. I could keep using them. But there were just some pieces that I felt like I need a couple of new pieces. And I ran into a friend this morning and, uh, I like, wow, you always look so put together. I love it. And by the way, I have a degree in fashion design and she's <laughs> like, you know, by the way, most of my clothes are thrifted. And I'm like, Oh, can we go shopping together? Cause I don't like going thrifting alone because right. I find that I, I don't mind going shopping in general alone, but I don't like going thrifting alone. I love to go thrifting, but I don't like to go alone because I find that you need like the second set of eyes for someone to sort through all the stuff with you. In right. any case, I said to her, she's like, well, what do you need? And I said, listen, here's what I'm on the hunt for. Some new scarves, because I cover my hair with scarves. Um, I need a white blouse and a black blazer. And I said, that's my list. If I find something else, like what I would do is not necessarily buy it. I would ask the shopkeeper, hey, can you put this on hold for me till tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I will go home and I would think about it. And if... I still couldn't stop thinking about it till tomorrow, then I would go back and buy it. And this is the same thing I do when I'm shopping on Amazon is every time I think about something that I need, I mean, obviously there are consumable items that I need like vitamins, you know, like we go through them and 
obviously you need to buy more. That's not, that's not a thought process, right? That's like, yes, I need this. But there are things sometimes that we need or want where I'll go through, I'll find it on Amazon, I'll put it in my cart, and then I won't check out for a few days because then I go back to it in a few days and I think to myself, like, do I really want this? Is this really worth bringing it into my house right now? What's going to happen? One of the other things I, I try to take out to the end is what's going to happen at the end of this object's life cycle? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I can recycle? Is it something that's just going to be used up? Like, what is up, it? Upcycle too. Yeah. Okay. But, but that's, that's not something people are thinking about. People are thinking the consumption and, and because we're not holding manufacturers responsible for what happens at the end of something's usable life or when something breaks uh, as consumers, we need to force that. That's a whole other issue. But as, as, as consumers, we also, because it's not an option for manufacturers to just send it back, we need to figure out how we can, what our responsibility is when this item comes to its end of its life. For years, I've turned on the television and the internet and have felt bombarded with messages of support, begging for money to support children in Africa, Afghanistan, India, all over the world, war-torn countries, children are starving, not only for food, but for education and love in some cases. Um, I recently connected with Desire Childcare Organization uh, that transforms the lives of orphans and vulnerable Ugandan children in Kampala and Mukono by providing wholesome food, housing, healthcare, and creative arts education from early childhood to adulthood. Won't you join me in helping save orphans and vulnerable children? We can do it together, one organization at a time. I chose this one. Visit desirechildcare.org for more information. Thank you. And so I always try to take myself through that whole process. And and more than just the end of its life, like if it's something that like when I need a new set of sheets, like I just, we had some kids here uh, yesterday and I made the bed and I'm like, uh oh, this sheet has a hole in it. Now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to sew that sheet up, that that Same, hole yeah. up because it's not a big hole and I can do it nicely. Right. But I had another set of sheets that I had to throw out last week because they were threadbare and they ripped in half basically. And it just wasn't going to be a suitable fix. Right. So, so I'm thinking about like, well, what happens when the item that those kind of situations are, are the end of its usable lifestyle cycle. That's not, not, you can, anything you can do about, but what about the things that I buy that I don't want to use anymore? Right. Okay. So how many people are listening who have clothing in their closet that still has the tags on it, or you bought a kitchen appliance thinking you are going to make spiralized vegetables every single day how many times have you pulled out the spiralizer do you know what I mean and it's like we're not thinking about first of all the cost per use of something and we're not being realistic with ourselves on how much we're going to actually use something and and so yes what people have to remember is first of all there's a cost to the purchasing because creating new things that's a cost 
It's a cost to us because we're emptying our wallet to pay for something that we're not really going to use. It's an extra cost to us because it's going to take up our space and it sits on us and we have to move it around every time we're cleaning around it, right? And it costs us, the royal us, um, in that at, when we finally decide to get rid of it, it's probably going to go to the landfill and then it didn't serve any purpose at all, really. So well, there's, yeah, like, there's the environmental cost, even in the, in the manufacturing of it, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. you know, talking about mobile phones, the, uh, the metals and the minerals that go into the, uh, the mechanisms, those have yep. to be mined out of the earth. And, and, and what are we doing? And when you think about, we've reached 8 billion people on the planet. Right. And there are whole islands of plastic trash floating out in the middle of the Atlantic. Yep. You know, and we're we're still, and we know better. We know better. We should do better, and we're still using one-off plastic bottles. Yep. You it's know? a problem. It's a and huge those problem. things have the have their place. I'm not saying a plastic bottle is totally useless. I'm just saying that like the rate at which we're consuming them is is high and significant and Volume um at which we're consuming them too so i saw this great tiktok video the other day where this woman went off on on adidas yeah. <laughs> about about a certain way that they were manufacturing a certain i think shoes but i'm not exactly sure and this is going to relate back to your second question which see i remembered which yes. was how do i how do i mingle my profession with my religion um what she was talking about was like how Adidas is using unfair labor practices and in fact was employing some Uyghur uh, um, labor in their Chinese factory, which as we know is basically slave labor today. Mm -hmm. um, and that extends to Africa and to other places that are now run by the Chinese. Yeah, but specifically the Uyghurs are very heavily oppressed for being Muslim in China, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's a shame, and it's sad. And it as a as a Jew, it it hurts me terribly because, you know, as Jews, we always make the statement, you know, never again, right? Referring to the Holocaust, and yeah. it makes me deeply sad to see that it is happening again, even if it's not with Jewish people, like no people should be oppressed just for their, I mean, for any reason, but specifically not because of their religion, right? right. Um, so from an ethical perspective, I think that we have a responsibility to not consume more than we need, both because it's not healthy for us, it's not healthy for the environment, but also we need to think about the, the cause and effect that our demand places on the economy in terms of like, who's, who's being affected to bringing it to us at a lower cost, right? Like nobody should be forced to do slave labor just so I can buy something for a dollar. And I'm very, very conscientious that's about That's how the what sugar industry started. That's what, yeah, sugar, like, that's how it started. And everyone was having sugar in their tea, knowing full well that they were only able to have sugar because of slave labor. Right. I mean, it's, there's the human cost in it. Yes, and, and it's it, a big cost. And I believe that yeah. as a society, and, and I believe that Judaism, Judaism believes this as well, as a society, we have a responsibility to take care of the people 
who are who are less than. And I don't mean that in like a equality kind of way who are just struggling in a financial or I'm not measuring anybody against anybody else, but for lack of a better term, you know, people who are suffering, people who are exploited, we have a responsibility to that. Now, can I just walk into a Chinese manufacturing plant and be like, liberate the Uyghurs? No, I can't. And if I could, I, I would, I don't know how I would do it, but I hope that I would have the strength to do that. But what I can do is vote with my wallet. And I can remind other people to vote with their wallets. So a few weeks, I run a Facebook group called Organizing in Israel. If you want to join, you don't have to live in Israel. It's just specific, like about specific products, but I give general advice there too. So if anybody wants to join, you're welcome. It's a I'll put a group. link in the description. Okay. Anyway, um, I post a lot about ethical fashion. Now, not all brands are perfect, but a lot of brands are better than others. Right. And one lady was like, What? It's like $150 for this one sweater that I could get at this other store for, you know, $25. And I'm like, you could get it for $25, but let's talk about what goes into the difference in the price. Now, sometimes there isn't a quality difference necessarily. Maybe we're talking about the same fabric. Maybe we're not. But what we are talking about is how we got to the $25 price point versus the $125 price point. Now I'm not, once we're getting into the luxury brand kind of price points, that's a different sort of perspective though. But the thing is, is the people who are making the luxury brands, they're like artisans. You know that they're not working in, in, you know, unair conditioned slave labor conditions. Like, do we, do we, do well, we know that? at least, at least we hope that that's the situation at that price point that that uh, the big brands like LVMH are are making, you know, suitable environments for their workers. Um, again, that is not my area of expertise, but I try to research the few brands that I I I do buy when I do buy new um, so that I feel like I'm making better choices. Is any choice going to be perfect? No. Because there's always there's always some place along the line, but you have to reward the brands that are trying to do better and like legitimately trying. Um, because when you show, when you first of all, when you support those brands, it keeps them in business. Um, but also it's saying to these other brands, I don't like the way you do business and I'm not gonna do business with you. And it's also supplying and that's important. Brand. Supply and demand. If there's more demand for ethically manufactured items, be it clothing or shoes or any other product, then that's going to lower the price and still keep the standards high and the practices yes. humane. Hopefully. Right? If there's more demand of that. And I also think that if we, if we, you said the word artisan, I think we should go right to the artisans who are weaving fabric and who when are- When possible, yeah. But it, there is possible. definitely a breakdown in the chain between what some artisans have the capacity to connect, how they have the capacity to connect with the end consumer. So sometimes I'm not saying- Yeah, advertising has a big to do with it because- you know, when we're talking about young people, the brand is everything. Right. It doesn't matter. But also, the they just might be, they, look, this is something that I talk about with my business clients is like, you want to be able to do what you do best. 
So if someone is an amazing weaver, she doesn't want to spend time or she might not even have the capacity to market herself. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so, so we need the group of people to, to do that for us, but we need to be careful about exploitation. But another important thing is, and this goes back to decluttering, which is it's not such a big deal to spend $125 on a sweater when you don't have a lot of stuff and you're buying things that are better quality that are gonna last you longer. So for example, I keep a capsule wardrobe. I don't have a lot of pieces. It's a little bit in flux right now. Cause like I said, I lost weight. Um, so I'm trying to like fine tune it. But even so I have like four pairs of leggings. I have two wool dresses and I wear a lot of Merino wool because Merino wool, um, it's not antibacterial or antimicrobial, like a lot of producers say it is, but what it does, it, what it is, is moisture wicking, yes. which allows it to be more breathable, which means you can wash it less. So I'm willing to spend more on pieces that will last me longer that I have to wash less because that takes my time. That takes energy. It takes my energy and like actual energy and, and water. It, and water, right? Like there's a lot of things that go into it, but because I have fewer items and because I'm being thoughtful about the color palette and how things go together, I can more easily replace something when it needs to be replaced. And, and I can afford to say like, okay, the $125, while it is a big deal, isn't as big a deal for me because I'm not, I'm not chronically shopping, right? I'm making better decisions and better choices. And I'm being satisfied with what I have for longer. And because I only have, I literally, I'm not going to count my like dressy clothes in this equation. Although I have done a, a full count of all my clothing before, including socks and underwear. Um, and like the headscarves that I wear and everything, I had less than fewer than 400 pieces. Yeah. which might sound like a lot, but I think if most people did account without socks and underwear and shoes and everything, you would see that that's not an unreasonable amount. Um, can, when you consider outerwear and, and, you know, shoes, sweaters, every well, season. I, the, I wear and tear, the wear and tear of, of wearing the same thing all the time. Right. You know, but that's, that's gonna, the thing. That's the, that's when you buy better quality one. clothing, it lasts longer. Right. You and if you're not I... washing it as much, that yeah. makes it last longer too. Balance, pain mitigation, range of motion, athletic performance, focus, memory, immune system support, and REM level of sleep. All this and more made possible affordably with no pharmaceuticals, no injections or invasive treatments. Just socks, insoles, and patches made stronger with the tactile patterning of Vox Life products. Scientifically proven to work and guaranteed. Now in the USA, Canada, and the UK. Visit www.dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. That's Vox, V-O-X-X, life. You'll be glad you did. I made a choice this year, this about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, 
um, that I, I, I had the realization at 56 that I really didn't enjoy wearing pants. Okay. And I remembered even at ch in childhood, I didn't like pajamas. I wore night shirts. I convinced my parents to buy me night shirts. Okay. And I never felt comfortable ever. And that goes to underwear as well. Okay. And I thought, you know, I'm 56. I can do whatever the heck I want. So <laughs> you can. 80% of this world of men wear some kind of skirted garment, whether it is a a kilt or a lungi or a dhoti. Um, you know, you'll see in the Middle East, you'll see these, you know, long caftans right. and things like that. And so I thought, you know, I'm in, in the south of Spain. I'm not far from Africa. I'm not far from Morocco, you know. Why not? Why not? So I went to How's the, the big open air markets. Yeah. And with a friend of mine, always bring a friend. Yeah, always <laughs> bring say, a friend. Always bring a friend. And it was summer. And I picked out maybe three or four pieces of cotton fabric. And we measured the standard size of a lungi, which is basically, it's like a sarong type garment that you wrap okay. and you fold, you know, you make a- pleat. Yes, yeah. And um, you see them a lot in India and Indonesia. Right. And, um, and so she hemmed them and she cut them to size. And I was so free and comfortable all summer long. Everyone else, all the other guys around me were complaining about how hot they were in their jeans. And I said, right. you know, I'm not hot at all. When a breeze blows by, I feel great. I feel air conditioned. So over the last year, I haven't worn pants in over a year because wow. of and I've worn, and the winters are quite cold here. So I'll go and find linen or a thicker fabric. Uh, you should look for wool jersey. Wool jersey, like merino uh, wool jersey, yeah. You know all all that stuff, and of course at the markets here, the outdoor markets, there are mountains of fabric of all kinds. Right. I opt for natural fabrics, cotton, right. linen, and you know wool and things like that. I've got a couple of great wool skirts. The great thing about this whole idea for me is that I'm not sacrificing my personality, my fashion. I'm right. not. You know, I'm I'm still expressing myself the way I like to, but I also, um, they're very practical. I can layer them if I'm too cold, or if if one or two degrade over time, as you say, the sheets get threadbare. Right. Like, I can find the stronger parts of them and cut them into cleaning rags. Yeah, I do that too. Right. right. Or I can I can use them both as a skirt or as a shawl. To right. cover myself or as a scarf a big chunky scarf you know around my neck so i'm finding a versatility and a creativity in in this and then i go back and i look at what it make what it takes to make a pair of jeans from the dyeing of the fabric and the caustic materials that are used that poison the water supply of the right room. um the the child labor and the oppressive you know, uh, labor that goes into making most garments that we use in the West only to get, even if we do pack them up into a, a hefty bag and ship them off to yeah. goodness knows where there are right. mountains of used fabrics, discarded fabrics from the West 
all throughout the East. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big problem. It's a huge problem because we because we aren't thoughtful about what we buy. Right. So I'm saying I am feel good that there's one guy <laughs> out here who is I'm very mindful and very thoughtful. Even my my coffee cup is a handmade pan thrown terracotta, you know, and I, I met the artisan who made it. Um, I'm very choosy about what I, I have in my in my personal collection. I have a storage unit back in the States. Mm -hmm that I need to go back and go through again, because as I'm developing my personal habits right. in understanding the history of a product, be it a garment or be it a, you know, furniture art or whatever, um, I'm getting pickier. And just by doing that, being that and talking about it with you, that gives permission to everybody else to do the you same. You have my permission, Everybody, anybody who's listening. Everybody if, you need a sign, if you need a sign from the universe, this is your sign. Like, <laughs> now, don't don't be afraid of 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 the secondhand market. Uh, I think there there's this like, ooh, it's used kind of thing. But like, who cares? Who cares? Just you know, wash like, it. wash it. Yeah, and if it has it. a hole in it that's too big to mend. Use one of your other threadbare garments and cut a patch and make something beautiful and unique. Yeah, you know, in that situation, I feel like people are more reluctant to do that, mostly because I find that most people don't have the skill set to do that. Right. Um, so I'm okay with you saying, like, this isn't useful to me anymore. I I deem this recyclable and putting it in the in the recycling. As long as we're being conscientious though about like what's going into the landfill and what's not. You know, is it useful for avoid. somebody else? Could it be useful for somebody Could else? Could it be? But like, even so, I think like most donation spots are getting so much stuff that like, oh, if you're going to put something in that's like not in great condition, they don't, they don't want it. So like, you're better off marking it rags, taking it to the Goodwill, let's say, for example, so that they know that they can just automatically sell it for weight. And what they do usually is they, they shred it and then they mend it into new or they like recard it and make it into like rags for cleaning and things like that. So, so, so even when you take things to organizations like Goodwill, um, they are, they are doing recycling, but it saves them resources. If you automatically pre-designate, you know, that this is something that should be recycling. You know, um, a great gift idea for the holidays. And, and this is a way to learn a new skill. This whole, this podcast is all about life skills. Right? right. And there are there are so many skills that we each of us, no one is an expert in everything, but there are no. skills that we we don't have proficiency in that somebody else does, right? Whether it's Rebecca or me, go and find that expert. Right. And ask for help. Go and learn how to sew basic sewing skills. That right. is gonna serve you. You know, a gift that I give to a lot of young people is a sewing kit. One of the best gifts anybody ever gave me was a sewing kit. I still I'm so shocked when people don't have them. I'm like, oh, I like when I go to a client and I'm like, <laughs> oh, look, it's missing a button. And they're like, they're like, okay, I'll take it to the tailor. I'm like, well, just give me your needle and thread. I'll fix it for you right now. It'll exactly. Or like, take, take a bunch like, of, oh, I don't have any. Oh, you're exactly. <laughs> I'm like, really? You have all this other stuff, but you don't have a sewing kit? Take your old yeah. sheets, take your old towels, take your old clothes cut them into 
squares, you know, about, I don't know how many inches, 10 inches by 10 inches or something, cut them into squares, do a blanket stitch around the edge, stack them, tie them in a beautiful ribbon and give that as a gift. It's a, it's, it's That's a little awesome. bit of your, you But know. actually, I, I was actually writing a blog blog post about yesterday about zero waste uh, yeah. gift wrapping for the upcoming holidays. And I put a link to someone doing, I'm going to say this wrong, Furoshiki, which is like the Japanese art of wrapping with fabric. I love that. And so like you have some sheets that are like, now I found the sheet. I'm going to, I'm going to sew it. But if it was past to the point where like, I really couldn't sew it, I'll probably just cut it up, leave it large and um, uh, yeah, actually, you know, um, for the Jewish holiday of Purim, yeah. it's uh, very common to give baskets of food. It's not common. It's it's the custom. What, what You're you supposed yeah. to give baskets of food, uh, baskets of food to your friends. Now, I don't make a lot of them because the the rule is you're only supposed to give two thing two baskets to two different one basket to two people with three different blessings of food in it. So each food has its own kind of blessing, right? So so what I always give is a bottle of wine. I give homemade challah and which is bread and I give usually a fruit. So three different blessings, okay? And oh, and my husband makes the typical um, cookies that we eat on Purim, which are called hamantashen, which are triangle shaped, triangle shaped cookies with filling in them inside. Typically, what's your, we do what's your favorite filling? So what's I love prune. I do I too. <laughs> but actually so here in Israel, they make amazing ones. Like they make savory. They make like sage and sweet potato. It's so yes. good. And they make like meat and like so, so good. Wow. So if you ever have the opportunity to come to Israel yes. around Purim time, that I think is the best time to come to Israel because the weather is phenomenal. And I mean, it's like the end of the rainy season, but like usually it's pretty warm, but it's not so hot that like, you know, whatever. And you can still dip your feet into this, into the, into the sea. So it's just, it's a really great time. Plus Perm is just such a fun holiday in Israel. It's so fun. But so, so what I do right. is, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. So what I do is I, I wrap the challah in a tea towel. Yeah. And I give it like that. I put just a ribbon that I've saved from something else on the bottle of wine. We literally give five, one to each of our neighbors. That's all that we give, which is each person in the house is giving one. So that's considered oh, that's acceptable, yeah. right? So each of us in the family are giving, plus we're giving to our neighbors locally, people who wouldn't be getting from anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I wrap the challah in a tea towel, which is great because everybody can always, who doesn't need a tea towel, right? Exactly. Like you can always use them. I put everything into a reusable bag and I wrap the, the hamantaschen, the fruit I don't usually wrap, but I wrap the hamantaschen usually like in like cut craft paper. Mm. So, and that I fold so that it's closed and either that, or I buy like reusable muslin bags yep. and I put them in there and I, is it as beautiful as the cellophane wrapped with everything positioned in like perfect position and the big fluffy ribbon? 
I think it's more beautiful. Maybe I'm sorry, not, but to I think me, it's, it's like beautiful. a reflection of me, you know? Yes. Like, I, yes. I get the beauty of doing that big, floofy thing with all these packaged items. I get that. But, like, for me, this is really very, it's authentically me. It's like, I bake these things for you. I put myself into this for you. I chose things that, like, are for you. Yeah. And, and, Yes, it might not be the commercial way that we are used to doing things today, but that doesn't make it less than. A guy wire is a tensioned cable that is designed to enhance the stability of a freestanding structure. Think of me as your guy wire in terms of life skills mentoring. You're perfectly capable of standing stably on your own two feet. But I'm a cable that can enhance your stability. I'm available for individual or couples counseling, life skills mentorship, child loss grief support, LGBTQ plus support. I can also officiate weddings, end of life ceremonies, baby namings, invocations, or whatever guidance you may need. I serve all genders, all ages. Sessions are affordable, discreet, private, and conducted online. Find me at guy-wire.org. Book your appointment today. I had my, for my 40th birthday, which is a big milestone birthday, your big 4-0, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a big party at a nightclub where I was jazz singing and about 80 people showed up. Wow. And, popular. Uh, <laughs> in certain circles. But I, I, I made the stipulation that if you wanted to give me a card or a gift, you had to make it yourself. Oh. And I got everything from original compositions of music played on the mandolin to an industrial, uh, metal gizmo thing that this guy that's what he did for his his work it was industrial metal metallurgy right. person and he made this really very interesting sculpturally uh thing for me and brought that the cards that i got were beautiful and so creative pop up like pop-up books but they were yeah and all that stuff and and i've made it uh a commitment to myself that I would follow that beyond 40, that most of the gifts, unless I'm far, far away from somebody and it's easier to send them a book or something, you know, that I like, it's still an expression of me. But um, as much as I can locally, I give gifts that I've made myself. Um, they, I think that's really great. But I think so one meaningful. of the things- we, They're so meaningful. I think it's great. And actually I like getting those kinds of gifts, but I will say this, if you do need to give a gift, um, I think we discount experiences as gifts. Yes, absolutely. And, and what I like about those is like for those non-creative people <laughs> uh, or for even people who are creative but are short on time or, or shipping is something. Or don't know do, that they're right? creative because they never right. learn the skills. Yeah. Like I, one of the best gifts we ever got from my husband's grandmother when my kids were small was um, she bought us a membership to the Queen's Science Museum. And we used to go there like every Sunday and, you know, included in our past was parking 
and we could bring her with us and right. and they had reciprocity with other museums so we could, we didn't have to go to queens every week we could go to a different museum and we could try and experience new things and it was i always just felt like that was one of the best gifts that we ever received one one year my cousin bought us uh, a subscription to a children's theater in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And that was a great gift too, because, you know, first of all, with kids, you're always looking for something to do. Right. Um, But it's like, these are, these are, even if your kids won't remember it necessarily, those are the happy things. Like those doing those things are what give us the feeling of being part of a family and and the understanding that we are loved because because what is the best gift you can give to people who you love is you your time right yes. so like when i mean spending that time my kids spending that time with their great grandmother like that's priceless they they yes. you know they don't remember those things necessarily, but it helped them form a relationship with her as small children that when they got older, they would remember things. And and she died um, right before Corona. Um, But like they were already, my oldest was almost 13. Like he knew his great grandmother, like, and that's just he related to her. He loved her. Like I still have that, that's a gift. Smell, smells and sounds and you know things, places that will trigger a nostalgic memory. That those kinds of experiences, you're right, are where nostalgia is born, and and it gives us that warm feeling in our soul that we right. were there and that we had that experience. We remember that person um, throughout our lives, and and hopefully other people will remember us yeah too. or like this week is my niece's birthday usually when I, I live farm I live in Israel and my my nieces and nephew live in in Memphis Tennessee and I always try to get like uh DoorDash and send them Baskin Robbins yeah. because it's like well I'm not there with them and if I was I would be happy to take them out for ice cream but I can't so like that's my way of celebrating with them and they're like they look forward right they look forward to getting a pint of ice cream that they can like eat over a couple of days and share and like it's fun family time with them and like you know in our house we don't really give birthday gifts um but we do have birthday traditions so we eat ice cream for breakfast we scratch scratch off lottery tickets and we usually go out to dinner like my kids feel like it's not their birthday without those things right and like that's it's not about the stuff. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think uh, the, 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 if anybody, if you take away only one thing from this today, it's not organization is, is important and it's key and, and we need stuff to live, right. but the stuff is not what makes our lives special. It's how we interact with other people. And, and what we were talking about at the beginning with the anxiety and, and you know the depression isolation the way to come out of those feelings are by spending time with the people you love because at the end of the day no one says oh i wish i worked more they they say i wish i had more time to spend with the people who i loved and or i love and when you have less stuff and when that stuff is organized you you can do that (laughs) 
It's because simple. nature abhors a vacuum. You create the space. Right. And something better will like, fill, hopefully something better will Like fill literally, up. I have dinner with my kids almost every single night. Okay, there are some nights that like, that's not happening. But like, you know, because we live in a busy life and someone has plans this way or we have to go to parent-teacher conferences or whatever. But like, that's our mission is to have family dinners. Today, my... Today's election day, so it's a it's a day off. Um, my my oldest brought two friends home with him. We all sat down last night and had barbecue, and we all sat down today and had pizza that we made together. My son and my my younger son and my husband made the pizza. My daughter and I did the dishes on the cleanup. Like, does anybody want to stand there and cook? Does anybody want to stand there and clean up? No, but. Even the onerous task of doing those things is more fun when you're doing it with somebody else. And like, you know, those are the times when you're just sitting there chatting about nothing, but like, that's what pulls you out of the mental health, like low to bring you up. And that's what the point of this world is. And if we can't make time for the people and the things that we love, and if we can't pull ourselves out of the funk that we're in to go and do those things, like... A lot of the time people blame the stuff and, oh, I have too much responsibility, right? Like, no, your responsibility is to take care of yourself and to love the other people who are in your life. And if you can't do those things reasonably well, then like you have to examine what is holding you back with that. And, and you have to be willing to make a change because honestly, like you're never going to get out of the scarcity zone where you feel like the stuff is less important or yeah, less important. Um, and into the abundance zone where everything feels better. And I'm not saying I feel happy all the time. I definitely don't feel happy all the time and life is not perfect all the time, but it's easier to get to the happy place and see the joy because I know that because I'm more lean in terms of the stuff that I have, and I'm not worried about that stuff, I can always try to rearrange my schedule to sit down and uh, go to Ikea for dinner with my daughter. That's our, like one of our favorite places to eat Ikea, by the way. I know, but it's different here because it's kosher and they separate the meat and the dairy. Oh, right. Um, right. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of a cost-effective place, but the food is really good. And like, and what we like about it is you can see all the food at once because it's like cafeteria style. Right. So, so like just going to Ikea and we like the food shop there and whatever. So like just going to Ikea or like, if she says, if I can see, like, maybe she just needs some mommy and me time, like, you know, Hey, let's just go to the neighborhood coffee place and we'll have some cheesecake. Right. Like, but the fact is, is because I have less stuff, I've designed my, my, my life so that I can be flexible for my kids. Sometimes I can't be, sometimes I have commitments Right. That like I've already made that I I can't necessarily flex on. That's the real the world skill that they need to learn right. by watching you interact right. with the world. But when they need me, I can even if I can't do it right this minute, I can do it soon. Sure. And that and there is nothing that signals to our family more that we love them than the time that, like I said, than the time that we give them. And when we can shift and pivot within our lives and show them that they're a priority, that's key, but you can't shift and pivot and be flexible. If you're always thinking about how you're going to organize yourself, if you're always thinking about, you know, how much responsibility you have, like 
the key to the to the balance is figuring out your priorities and and you know where you can maneuver so that you can prioritize what's important to you and like i said you're not going to get it right all the time because that's just life but you can get it right most of the time and that's important you really can and that's i think a beautiful message to end with i can't believe it's already been an hour um, <laughs> we're gonna have to come back and do a, another one sometime okay you tell me and when great. and i'm gonna show up you know usually i end my my episodes by asking my co-host uh my special guest co-host for three things from their toolkit to share universally that other people could try. But this whole episode has been about these wonderful practical tools that anybody could use. So we don't even have to end on that note. What I do wanna to say to put a button on everything too, is that I understand that there are people around the world who are feeling isolated, that they don't have the blessing of a family or loved ones close by to spend time with people that you care about and people who care about you. Uh, there are people who are feeling very lonesome. Perhaps they've been in quarantine or perhaps they've been ill and they're not in a place where they have a large circle of friends locally to, to lean on or to, to spend time with. And to those of you, I would say, go and volunteer, go and yes. find somebody who needs you find your people somebody, find your people find the group of people that you resonate with and maybe it'll take two or three different places you know maybe you can go and sort through those giant mountains of you know fabric at the at the yeah. thrift store um you know or or a soup kitchen or just Go sit in the park next to somebody who looks lonesome and strike up a conversation. There are always ways humans crave connection with one another and community and the community is out there. So go find them um, donating to charity in, in someone's name around a cause that your friend is passionate about is another gift is another yes. way to, to show that you're thinking of them, that you honor and and respect their passion and their their interest uh, in helping, being helpers in the world. So help yourself, self care. Put the oxygen mask on your face first, and then go out there and save the world because you can do it. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks sister. for having me. We'll we'll do it again. I can't wait. Me either. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to season three of the Lost Traveler podcast with your host, Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to all my guests and thank you to my listeners all around the world. I couldn't do this without your support. Let's keep striving for a better world together.